superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Caught touchdown, Julio Jones. This is the Rich Eisen Show. My prediction, Chris Brockman, on the Julio Jones front. Yeah, I'm interested in this. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. The moment where Shannon Sharp had Julio on television. Oh, man, I'm on man. It will be viewed through the prism of actually helped him. The Rich Eisen Show. That's my prediction. Earlier on the show, Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tunyon. Still to come. 12-year NBA veteran Rex Chapman. From America's Got Talent, Howie Mandel. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. We got Rex Chapman coming up in 20 minutes' time to talk about the NBA playoffs that just took uh, an interesting turn, certainly for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, despite being up three games to love now on the Miami Heat. What just happened during the commercial break, Chris Brockman, right there? Oh, man. So we mentioned earlier that Dante DiVincenzo uh, missed most of last night's game with a foot injury early in the Early in the first quarter, well, Shams and others reporting right now that's bad news for DiVincenzo. Suffered a serious tendon injury in mm. his left foot. Will miss the remainder of the playoffs. Wow. Man, it's just like you need, you just got to be full strength if you want to take down the nets, don't yeah, you think? Like yeah, you need absolutely. every last possible piece of shooting, defense, every last possible piece of a bench. The big ragu. The big, and he'd really come into his own this year, inserted in the starting lineup, 10-6-3 all season. Great shooter, as we know, from his Villanova days. Stop it. Just stop it. You don't have to do that. What? You don't have to talk about his Villanova days. You don't really have to do that, do you? you I mean, he was that. most outstanding player of the tournament. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's right. You don't really have to do that. These are the facts of the case. You don't have to really do that. He's still hitting threes over, uh, like over Michigan. <laughs> anyway, serious blow from Milwaukee. You're Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't played for Villanova in a while. Yeah, in a while. In a while. That's the same thing. Like, I brought up, you know, Austin Rivers showing up like Jamal Murray last night and asked TJ Jefferson, our resident Clipper fan, if that makes what's going on with the Clippers watching the Lakers also win last night worse. He's like, oh, he hasn't played for the team in like four years. It makes no sense for you to bring up Austin Rivers. Yeah. Right? Why would I bring Same him up? Same amount of time. I mean, 2018. I yeah, I know. So I guess what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Pat is, Connaughton, come on down. Well, I mean, he did. He was th- from downtown. He was yeah. throwing it in. Well, Next man up. It's time now. Coach Bud has got them all whipped up, man. Now come on, the Nets. Here we go. Let's go. Come on, bring on the Nets here. Sooner rather than later, uh, Rex will be joining us, and we'll, we'll hit him on on that subject here. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Let's take a couple phone calls. We haven't done that in a couple days. Let's uh, let's do it. We've been just chit-chatting ourselves. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Chris in Athens, Georgia, first in, first up. How you been, Chris? Pretty good, pretty good. I was just thinking, Julio, head west, head west. 
Um, and I think Mayock and Gruden should be all in on this. I was kind of lukewarm about it, but consider him our first-round pick in 2022. If it makes the offense as good as I think it is, you know, you're picking 28 to 32, I'm okay with that. You know, and there are a lot of question marks with the Raiders, but Derek Carr to Julio Jones, that's a marquee in Vegas. He's a superstar. I mean, I, I'm all in now. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay. Look, he makes so many teams that much better. I'm just wondering what the right. Raiders are going to look like this year. Um, you know, we had Mayock on after the draft, and they're very happy with how they've redone their offensive line whereas most of the rest of the National Football League observers think that what the hell do they do that to their offensive line? That could be and the does fix. does Mark Davis have the cash to do this deal? Well, That's I mean, it's not – I don't know. Look, it's it's not that much cash, to be very honest with you. It's $15, mm-hmm. $15 million this year, and then there's no guaranteed money except two more million after that. And you'd, you'd have to get him knowing he'd want some sort of a new deal. And then, right. you know um, – he is the guy that they look that as you know he's a different receiver than Antonio Brown but that's the reason why they got Antonio Brown is they needed that that speed they needed that outside the numbers you know threat and yeah, he'll make and, any and team better have their Kyle Pitts his They're, name's Darren Waller oh, so no. Julio Jones no. plus Darren Waller just I don't know and Josh that's Jacobs let's me. go thanks for the call appreciate it no one's mentioning the Raiders Raiders six to one to land Julio. I guess people are mentioning the Raiders. I just haven't heard. I haven't heard that talk. Six to one. Where Six to one. Uh, Patriots still your front runner at five to two. Forty ers uh, three to one. Titans four to one. Raiders six to one. Would that put the Raiders in the running for a good solid second place in the AFC West? You know what you I'm like saying? The, you like them better than Chargers? With Julio Jones, I do. They got a lot of wide receivers I'm now. You, well, I, if, I'm not in charge Even of an NFL team, and clearly I don't have that. Um, why don't, like, what is a second-round pick? Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. If this guy could put you over the top, what is it? What? what, what that's it. Whatever. Whatever. I'll sit there on a Friday night what, what, you know, watching everybody else pick. When I got Julio in my back pocket? Are you kidding me? All Atlanta right. says they've got a one. Who the hell's giving a one for Julio Jones? Who's doing that? Somebody who has the same mentality as me. Let's go. <laughs> LFG. Go get him. Got to be in the AFC, right? Falcons are never going to keep him in that conference so they could see him. No, no. Second round picks, Rich, are T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, DeAndre Swift, um... Chase Claypool, Cam Akers, Jalen Hurts, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon. You mentioned somebody who I think is going to be huge in 2021. Who would that be? You just mentioned those guys. Cam Akers. Boo-yah. Boo to the yah. Chris, when you inevitably choose <laughs> on behalf of whatever the hell we're going to call our team in the Allison Chains Fantasy Football League. Yes. <laughs> because I will be probably on the set because they always have it on the it's Tuesday before the, the season. It's always right after Labor Day. I'm always on the set of NFL Game Day morning season preview. And you are the one who is always doing the grocery shopping live. I will turn to you before that. And I don't care that I'm saying this on live TV and radio. <laughs> I will say to you, go bring 
us, <laughs> Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams. I can do that. Go bring us. I can do that. I bet you he's going to be a first-round draft choice in a ton of fantasy drafts. Probably right. Because what I'm saying right now will have a whole load of bandwagon jumpers. But at least I'm saying it the Friday before Memorial Day. I think they I I think how about this? All right, hold on. How about this? How about this? And I as you know, I'm tight with this organization and people who are in it, but this is not from any of them. It's not from any of them at all. Nobody said a word to me. Nobody. But I bet you when they traded for Stafford, they had Cam Akers in mind. I bet they had Cam Akers in mind when they said, let's get Stafford here. That kid is going to provide the balance that Stafford's never had. I could not be more high on Cam Akers right now. I hear you. So would I give up Cam Akers for Julio Jones is the question because you could get your next Cam Akers for Julio. I don't know if I do that. Well, especially not. I mean, I know you're not specifically talking about the Rams, but the Rams. I can't say they don't need Julio Jones. Everybody, but like, so here's the thing: everyone it, could use. It's Julio like a pass Jones. rusher and a cornerback. Everyone could use Julio yeah, Jones. Yeah, you could, but you're it's not going like to break thing. up what you look. They got Robert Woods. They got Cooper Cup. Oh, I'm not saying they'll trade Cam Akers. What I'm saying is the possibility of getting a two. Yeah, yeah, I know. And if I'm the Rams, I'm thinking, screw it. I'm not drafting high in any of the next 19 drafts. Let's keep going. Nope. Rich, you're talking about uh, fantasy football. Let's keep dressing up this window of opportunity. Yes. Fantasy football, I'm just, uh, you know. You cannot be saying you're on a fantasy football site that's got mock drafts and stuff like that. I'm on multiple right now. Rich, Uh, I've done done eight (laughs) mock drafts in the last three days. It's not even Memorial Day. (laughs) I'm, I'm like an addict. Cam Akers, <laughs> I'm a fiend. Cam Akers uh, in this uh, site that I'm looking at right now, overall overall list, he is the 12th ranked overall player heading into 2020. 12th overall. 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 Running back 10. Obviously Running fantasy. back 10. Who are the other nine in fan- front of him? Who are the other nine? Yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook is RB2 mm-hmm. on okay. this site. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Derrick Henry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Saquon. Expecting a big bounce back from him. Okay. Zeke. Jonathan Taylor. Nick Chubb. Alvin Kamara, Zeke, Aaron Jones, and Cam Akers. Outstanding. I'm so glad. Let him stay RB10. That means you can get him on the back end of the snake. Okay. I, I had him last on the year. First on, end, on the first snake, you can get him on the back end. Your other two players in the top 12 on this site, wide receivers Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. Which is another reason why. Go get Julio. Honestly. Honestly, you tell Aaron Rodgers, we got your back, man. We want your back. We got your back. Uncle, uncle, we saw what you did. We didn't expect it. Uncle, we saw what you did. We thought 13-3 and with you and Matt LaFleur at the time. Eh, the window's closing. How the hell did they think that? I know I'm going back to the way I ended the, sea, the, the last hour. How the hell do they have? How do they think? We've got to get our next quarterback after they hired the guy, not even 40, stuck him with Rodgers, and we're all wondering, how's that going to work? Could it work? Will it work? It does work. And they decide to blow it up. Well, it didn't blow it up, Rich. They just drafted a quarterback in the first round. He shouldn't pay any attention to that, except when you do that, 
You got to get the guy on the field. You got to get the guy out there sooner rather than later. You got to do that. You got to get him under center in year one. And if you don't, definitely in year two. And if you don't, well, then year three, when you go into your offseason figuring out, do you pick up his fifth-year option? You only have one year of evaluation. You got to have as much evaluation as possible, which is why Daniel Jones is on the clock this year. Let's bring it all full circle of what was going on in Green Bay and what's happening in New York. Do you have the tweet, Hoskins? Put it up. Because this tweet caused some people to sort of... Wow, I couldn't believe this. Sort of go, okay. And it's just a millennial work in the Giants Twitter account. It's all really all it is. I understand, it's but still. all it right. is. It's supposed to hype him up. But you got to know how this is, is going to be out there at the At the OTA, looking, you know, like the quarterback of the New York football Giants. He means business. It says year three, and there's an hourglass emoji next to it. Mm. Now, the hourglass might be just, it's it's his time, right? That's clearly what I'm... No, we all take it to mean because we all look at Daniel Jones <laughs> in a certain out. way. Like, it's time. Clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. Yeah, clock's ticking. Because it is the time the Giants must evaluate him. Finally. Year one, it was like, okay, Eli's still here. You know, we tried it one last time with Eli, but it's Daniel Jones's turn. And everyone's wondering, okay, he's pick number six. Pick six out of Duke. He comes out of Duke. Everybody thought, including Joel Klatt, came on this show the day after it was the draft in Tennessee saying, oh, yeah. this is going to set the Giants organization back years. They could have had him at, in the middle of the first round. And they chose and they, they, they reached for him. And then he had his usual rookie season. He had some great games and then some terrible games. Yep. Up and down. Year two, Saquon gets hurt. He gets hurt. How are you going to evaluate him? They're still working on their line. New coach. How do you evaluate him? Year three. Now's the time. Second year under the new system of Jason Garrett. Second year under the head coach of Joe Judge. And... How are they going to evaluate him? Saquon's coming back. And Kadarius Toney is drafted out of Florida. People love him. You already got some quality receivers there. And you go out and you get the number one free agent wide receiver. And you pizzay Kenny Galladay. You bet it's hourglass time. Pressure? You know, you know he's feeling the pressure. He's got to feel the pressure. Hold yeah, on a minute. It has to be. Hold on a minute. Wait a minute. I'm being told it's really Eli Manning in disguise. <laughs> you know, it's on all of us. It's on all 11 guys to, um, you know, do their job every player to step out. And, you know, that's how we're going to make big plays is, is everyone doing their job. And it's not on any one person more than the other. It's, it's about everyone executing uh, together uh, as a unit. And, and, you know, that's how we're going to. Uh, create explosive plays, um, you know, and be a productive offense. I, mean, I fell asleep listening to that. It's Eli Manning. <laughs> you know what it is? It's like men in black. Okay. That is an alien in the Eli Manning skin suit. <laughs> Zebes? That's what it is. 
kind of looks like Eli, sounds just like him. I mean, he's picked up the mannerisms, the inflection, the sort of I'll answer it, but I'll just, you know, stay above the fray. That's Eli Manning. That was Eli through and through. And for you Giants fans, I hope he is Eli Manning in the fact that he can play, answer the bell, and when it comes crunch time in the playoffs, he can turn it on and play at a Hall of Fame type clip. But the evaluation's there. And it wasn't there in year one, and it wasn't there in year two. It's there in year three, which is why Aaron Rodgers knows when you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're going to put him out there sooner rather than later because you may not have the proper tools to evaluate him. Green Bay does. They can evaluate their quarterback because they've got the line, they've got the weaponry, and Aaron knows it. I'm sorry to keep bringing everything back to Aaron Rodgers, but it does make a point. This is a big moment. The Giants used a huge draft choice on him in 2019. It is now time in 2021 after the season to say, do we give him a fifth-year option? Do we pick up something that will be $20 million worth? And the answer will be apparent once they evaluate him this year with a healthy Saquon and Kenny Galladay and everybody else that's there. You know? And in Green Bay, they got to get their guy out there or trade him now. Get your other guy out there. But it's a big year for 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 Daniel Jones. I'd have to I'd have to magic eight ball it because I have no earthly idea how the hell it's going to work or look. It is it it can be it can be explosive. Just ask a Lion fan about Kenny Galladay. Just like you know, ask anybody about Saquon Barkley. We've all seen it. Ask any Florida fan about Tony. They could be explosive. Evan Ingram was supposed to be, oh that guy. You know. The next hybrid tight end. Yep. He's supposed to be Kyle Pitts before Pitts. Yeah. Kelsey, Gronk. He's supposed to right. be in he's that class. He's supposed to be in that class. What if he can be this year? With that defense, the way that it balled out last year, Giants have a shot to win this division. Absolutely. Or they could be a total, complete disappointment. But you won't be able to tell it from Daniel Jones because he is Eli 2.0. I mean, it's crazy. But their Giants have them evaluated. They're set up to evaluate him and make a decision that Green Bay won't be on their quarterback. Because Aaron threw a monkey wrench in it with the MVP season. Just try to make it all connect for you folks out there taking in this show. We'll take a break. When we come back, Rex Chapman on the NBA playoffs and more. And his great podcast. He's got his guest. You know who his guest is this week? Chris Herron on his Chargers podcast. That's coming up. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Only fitting that you're clutching a bottle of Gatorade right now. <laughs> Only fitting. Because I do believe it was the first time that we met. I'm going to bring this up. It was in the city of Houston. That's right. It was the first ever Super Bowl the NFL Network had ever covered. It was Tom Brady beating the Carolina Panthers eventually. But you and the entire Manning family strolled into the Gatorade suite before heading uh, hit the sack one night. Yeah. Correct? That was it. And... Who did you hear singing karaoke in the Gatorade suite that night? It was a beautiful voice. A what do you say, like, voice. in terms of It was beauty. like an angel bringing us in. Mm-hmm. And there, we walk in and we see see Rich Eisen, mm. karaoke, dominating. <laughs> to basically, by the way, nobody else in the room, right? <laughs> yes, just solo. <laughs> yes. Just, you know, you get a little wow. practice. There was my, me and my buddy. There was nobody else. What, uh, what song, Eli? Uh, that is a good question. Sinatra. Sinatra? I forget which one it was. Okay. Like, you know, well, I mean, yeah. York, did you have York, to ask? Or, yeah. Seriously, it was me and my buddy. And <laughs> I remember we walked in and uh, yeah, we joined, now, but we joined right in. Did you, you did sing, right? You I guys believe. all did get on they, the mic. I think we got up there, you know, we can't turn that down. No, I know. And right. I, it was it, honestly was, me. It was obviously like pre-cell phone, like pre, I mean, you had yes, cell phone, right. but pre like, you know, one had a camera, you, you don't, don't worry about anybody filming. Yeah, so there's no video. You, you get up and sing. You saw karaoke, you sang. You don't think about, you don't think twice. It was just the moment. Yeah. That's the moment. You didn't have to memorialize it. It was me, my buddy, Doug. And then it was, I think, your entire family, yeah, probably right? the whole crew, yeah. Your mom and your dad, um, you yeah. and you and uh, Peyton and Cooper. And Cooper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and um, what do you have a go-to karaoke song, Eli, at all? It's changed over the years, obviously. Has it really? Can, yeah, okay. you kind of go with the times. So, you know, Footloose has always been one, you really? know, just because you can kind of dance with it. But mm-hmm. now, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to do karaoke now. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of worried, you know, people are filming all the That's time. True. Then they judge. And, you know, I get, <laughs> I get judged enough. I don't need to be judged <laughs> on, on, my, on my singing ability. That's, you know, that's, that's for fun. Yeah. Everybody's made it too serious. I love Eli, man. The whole Manning family, great people. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our soon-to-be seven-year-old archive. 270,000 subscribers there and growing stronger every single day, and we can't thank enough uh, everybody who is a subscriber there or telling people to subscribe, and I just do love watching people's reactions. And even when you tell us uh, we suck, uh, we just, you know, um, take that in and understand that you are uh, incorrect and that you suck. You suck. I'm sorry. That's not, I, I mean, I, that's against what I tell you to say. Yeah, right? You sound like me and Brockman on the phone after every show. No, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate everybody's feedback. I say good. That's job. not true. 
All right, we're back here on The Rich Eisen Show uh, with our radio audience, and we're on NBC Sports on Peacock. I love this man. I love him. He was on my Just Getting Started podcast. He has not one but two podcasts. He's got the Rex Chapman Show with Mr. Josh Hopkins, who's been on this program, uh, and also uh, a terrific new podcast as well called Charges. Um, his guest this week is somebody who you love, Chris. I know for with your Boston absolutely, College absolutely, days, right, man. and your Boston um, upbringing, your New England upbringing. Chris Heron is his, is his guest. Great and story. now he's our guest once again, Rex Chapman, back here on the Rich, Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Rex? Hey, Rich. How are you doing today, buddy? Better for talking to you, sir. Better for talking oh. to you. Always, always. Always fun. So uh, let's get into uh, the, the playoffs right now. What's your impression yeah. of what we've seen so far? Uh, we're coming up uh, tomorrow will be the, uh, the end of the first week of the playoffs tonight, I guess, technically as well. What, what do you take, what's your takeaway so far? Well, uh, you know, I've got a soft spot for the Phoenix Suns. Yep. And um, an unbelievable year. Second seed, only one of two teams in the league to, to win 50 games and get rewarded by playing the Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> in the first round as the seventh seed. So down 2-1, Chris Paul a little banged up. Hopefully the Suns will bounce back in game four. Um, but, yeah, I really like what – Brooklyn's doing, of course. How can you not like that right now? Milwaukee's very workmanlike. Denver, Denver, Portland is a series I'm keeping an eye on. I, I like Portland in that series. Why do you like them? What do you What do you think? Of, I mean, I, is, I guess I, is Austin Rivers an anomaly the way that he finished them off last night with the uh, with Jokic? Uh, no, no. I think I, I'm really enjoying. I really am. I was with Melo for some of his career out in Denver, and I'm. I'm so thrilled to watch Carmelo. He really has taken a step back, and he doesn't have to be the guy anymore. He's playing. His effort is great defensively. His body's terrific. And then, you know, they got Bain and CJ. I just think they're going to wear him down. I think Murray being out is just too much to overcome. So what is, what, what is the, uh, I guess, fix for Phoenix right now? What do you think Monty Williams is thinking? He does have a banged-up Chris Paul. He's got a budding star in Aiton. However, you've got two, one of the greatest double-headed you know, headed monsters the NBA has ever put out on a floor in LeBron aging like the fine wine that he is and Anthony Davis being in the prime of his career. And, you know, I know you watched him, Anthony Davis, from the very beginning of his playing career at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So what what is Monty Williams thinking right now, do you think, Rex? Well, you know, I think he's, he's got to hope that the, the next couple of days do do Chris uh, Paul some rest. His rest uh, really benefits him. Hopefully he can continue to get treatment and get a little bit better. I, I think they're, it's an uphill battle if he's not himself. Uh, and then, you know, I, I remember I played eight years, uh, seven years in the NBA before ever making playoffs. And we finally make it the year I went to Miami. We were 41 and 41, sneaked into the playoffs, and had the good fortune to play the 72 and 10, <laughs> uh, 73 and 72 and 10 Chicago Bulls. And they swept us like a JV team in three games. Um, <laughs> Devin Booker, I say this because it's Devin Booker. He's, what, his fifth year now, first chance at the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it's different. You know, he went out and did what he did on ga- in game one, and he's kind of struggled since. But the playoffs are different. It's officiated different. And when you come, up, come across two just elite guys like LeBron and AD, 
and you're playing those guys as young guys, DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, mm. it, it's maddening because you feel like they get every damn call. <laughs> so, you know, these guys, Phoenix is up against it, but they just have to get one and take that series back to Phoenix. Why is it done? If, why is it different? Walk me through that. I mean, You know, why? I think that, um, well, <laughs> it's like I remember guarding Reggie Miller, guarding Reggie before he became an all-star and after he became an all-star. Mm-hmm. Once he became an all-star, he got every call. Every, every <laughs> He'd just run into you and flop, and he'd get the call. And he knew what he was doing. Um, but it, officials, too, they're human, and they get influenced by, by crowds. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, the, I, I will say this. Those guys have earned the right to get a call here or there. <laughs> no, I know. And, and Chris Paul, I don't know if you heard his post-game <laughs> comment last night. He, he mentioned three times uh, 11 in a row. That's what he said, 11 in a row. And if anybody was wondering, that's the number of losses in a row he's had in a game that's been officiated by Scott Foster. And he even said the words, if you were a betting man. I mean, he went out basically and, 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 and damn near connected dots to something the NBA certainly doesn't want, you know, in the mind's eye of a fan. Uh, was that frustration? Walk me through the mindset of a, of a player like, like CP3 to say something I, I like think that. it's Yeah, I think it's frustration, uh, of course. But, you know, there are guys that you just <laughs> – I remember Scott Foster threw me out of a game. I accidentally poked him in the eye. Uh, arguing a call and got suspended. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm anxious to see how the league responds to what Chris had to say. Um, I, I can't imagine that will go uh, unpunished, but we'll see. Yeah, some guys just don't like certain players. Some players don't like certain referees, and I'm sure there are referees that don't like certain players. So you got the gate because you accidentally poked Scott Foster in the eye while arguing a call with him? Is that what you're saying? Well, Rashid Wallace ran over me in Portland. A clear, I don't know if you've ever heard of the block charge, (laughs) but a clear charge. Yes. And a clear charge. And I stood up, he called a block, and I went right up, got in his face, and pointed and accidentally poked him right in the eye. (laughs) And that was the end of Rex Chapman for that game. See ya. You were in the showers. Get out of here. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Went back. Had a now, yeah, and the, early. while we're hitting the way back machine, what was it like uh, when you said it was your first playoff experience and there's Jordan, who you obviously had a, you know, knew and had a history with and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have some great stories about that. You told a story on my podcast of him rolling a bowling ball backwards to try and <laughs> yeah. uh, clear a lane, um, right? So and he palmed it. So you've been around it. What was that like to be out there on the floor against the last dance bowls like that? Well, I, again, I had played against those guys, yeah, for six or seven years. Um, and it wasn't until, and had some success here and there. It wasn't until I played them in that playoff series that I got to see what those I wasn't on very good teams. They didn't have to be engaged to, be, to beat my teams. We right. weren't playing them in the playoffs. But when I saw those guys in the playoffs and saw how engaged they were, it, it gave me a, a way better appreciation for, you know, the teams that were really doing battle with those guys, the Knicks and, um, you know, those teams from back in Detroit. Because Michael and Scotty and that squad were so damn good. And when they were engaged, they were damn near unbeatable. 
And then the next year, you're on Phoenix, and you're you know teammates with Jason Kidd and KJ, and you're going against. Let me make sure I get this right. You're going against the Kemp, Detlef Shrimp, Sam Perkins, yeah. Gary Payton, Seattle Sonics, and you you drop 42 in a, the first game in that series to get the first one um, in that game in that series. Rex, what was was the was the rim as large as the ocean that night for you in Seattle? Well, yeah, but it also helps when uh, <laughs> a team can. Uh, let you run free because you've got Jason Kidd and Kevin Johnson on your team. They couldn't pay too much attention to me if those guys would have crushed them. So uh, I was a beneficiary of playing with Hall of Fame type players. And, you know, Steve Nash was on that team also. Oh, man. On our team. He had a DNP that <laughs> night. I'm looking in the, in the yeah, statue. He, did. he, he didn't play much that year. What do you think his challenge Crazy. is right now, Rex? What did, What's his challenge right now uh, with a team that's um, – that's up to oh, everybody's pretty much putting them in sharpie against the Bucks right now mm-hmm. for a second round matchup that is going to be just lit. What what is what is mm-hmm. Nash's challenge right now? Your former teammates, Rex. Yeah, knowing Stevie like I do, he's the ultimate competitor, and he's got a very unique team of personalities. And I think that his biggest challenge is is what to let go. You know, I think he, he probably wants to call a timeout every play down the court. <laughs> but there are things he, he just has to let go with this team. And I think that Mike, Mike D'Antoni being there with him in his first year of coaching is a real, it's a real positive. Of course, Mike has history with James, coaching James in Houston. But that, that team is good. They're really good. And if they, fi- if they, if they find a way to, to keep defending at – you know, an elite level, they're going to be awfully tough. Rex Chapman here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about your pod, Chargers. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you the floor on why you, you created it and the people you've been interviewing for it. It's fascinating to me, Rex. Man, it's so much. Yeah, it's so much fun. Just uh, This is a little bit different pod. It's just me interviewing, you know, other people who've gotten in trouble. Um, you know, maybe with the law, maybe just in the court of public opinion, you know, being uh, people who played sports and and have gotten in some kind of some kind of mess, and I'm enjoying talking to them about what it was like at that just terrible moment for them. You know, we know what it was like from the outside looking in. I'm enjoying finding out what it was like for them. You know, I've interviewed Meta, uh, Sandiford Artest, Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, that guy, mm-hmm. um, Ryan Leaf, Chris Heron. Um, just did Jim Leyritz recently, Bonzi Wells. I got Doc Gooden coming up. So many more. I, I'm really excited. The best part about it is, for me, it, it's kind of cathartic, you know, because you sit there and uh, everybody's, all of us in sports have been asked the same old sports questions over and over. Right. But I've been really, really heartened by the willingness of these people coming on to open up and really just lay it all out there. And uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it, and I think so far the listeners are enjoying it. Well, I'm certainly the Dwight Gooden conversation. I can't wait to hear that, Rex. I mean, right, right. I mean, for sure. What was? I'm a fan. Well, I mean, it's not just that too, but I mean, what what truly also could have been, and how great he was despite you know uh, right. his struggles is um, it, it's remarkable. I mean, it really yeah. is. Certainly in the, the city of New York, where we're for both teams. What'd you learn from Chris Heron? What'd you get from him? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I had, I have so many friends 
who are friends with Chris. He and I don't really know one another. But within just minutes of sitting down, because, you know, he's friends with Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, who I've known for 30 years now, it was almost like, you know, we just picked right up. Uh, it was very comfortable. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing that I didn't know, I really didn't, and I didn't watch his 30 for 30. My son told me to a while back, but I figured it was going to be sad, and I don't, I don't do well with that. So I did watch it before he and I talked, and I just bawled. I bawled my eyes out. The thing that I didn't know, I didn't know Chris's, he really took a turn for the worse when he went to OxyContin. That's, you know, essentially what happened to me. And I had no idea that's what, you know, sort of triggered his foray into heroin. So I really learned something on that just from a, you know, a, a standpoint, and I should know these things. <laughs> I should have known that, but uh, yeah, I, I just and hearing the guys, hear, hearing the people, uh, you know, shoot, I've cried a couple times on here. I've almost cried several times, and and I've had a couple of guests here up. Um, the stuff's hard to talk about, but again, I think it's cathartic, and I think it can help people out there. We're all struggling. Uh, somebody knows someone who's struggling. No question about it, and that's the charges with Rex Chapman podcast. And then, of course, you know, May is. Uh, been Mental Health Awareness Month. We're coming towards the end of May and a fascinating conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're paying much attention to it, but you are definitely active on Twitter, so I'm sure it has crossed your your Twitter timeline about Naomi Osaka at the French Open yeah. saying that she will not have any uh, any any press conference appearances with the, the media while at the French Open, citing her mental health, saying that um, mm -hmm. having conversations with people who doubt her and ask her questions over and over again um, is not um, helpful, and that some journalists kick, kicking a person while they're down is something that she will not take part in. Um, I wonder what you think of all that, Rex. Good for her. I mean, look, I know it's, it's dicey, you know, she's playing tennis. People want to ask questions. Um, you know, the media and, and athletes, entertainers, we do work together. You know, we do. So I get that it's, it's difficult for some people, but this is a young lady who's, you know, coming up in a, I can't imagine rich. I was talking to someone yesterday. I can't imagine being a professional athlete or even a college athlete in today's world with social media. I, I can't. I don't know how these how these athletes do it. So good for her, you know. Maybe this won't be a forever type thing, but I'm I'm happy for her. I, I wish that more more people could be understanding of you know what young people are going through. And she's trying. Look, she's trying to do something extremely daunting, and it it takes more than just the physical. So good for her. So what what do you mean that uh, social media? Because you're seeing what people are saying uh, yeah, in real I think time. So. You know, because because Twitter does allow uh, the popcorn throwers um, yeah. the ability to you know some somebody may maybe screaming something horrible like uh, mm -hmm. John John Morant's uh, John Morant's parents apparently father definitely was talking about that you know and and mm -hmm. you know Morant may not hear it because those fans are so far away but on the phone you can see it you can get it you know if you're thumbing through right. it is that what you're referring to pretty much Rex yeah, or what. I am. Yes, I think that I think it's hard. You know, look, everybody wants to wants to be loved, and everyone everybody wants to see nice things written about them. When we were 
when I was growing up, you didn't have any of that. What what was written in the paper, that's all that was said. What you said on in interviews, that's all that was said. There's so much commentary out there now. Some of it's great, and some of it's, you know, spot on. Some of it's great reporting. Most of it is garbage. And trying to filter that out as a young athlete and, you know, focus on this is something I should pay attention to. This is something I shouldn't pay attention to. I can't imagine trying to negotiate that while, you know, trying to be the best at what you're, what you're doing. Rex, you're the best, man. Uh, look for my call as uh, we get our way into the second round of the playoffs. And certainly, you know, your, your teammate, as you referred to as Stevie Nash, I mean, he, has, yep. he is in a launch position to say the least, and and the Bucks look like they're gonna. Be, that's going to be the team that might come in off of a sweep. The Sixers versus, you know, Knicks and Hawks um, winner. Mm-hmm. That looks like a lot of fun, and it sure looks like LeBron and and AD are going to be the the nightmare seven seed that nobody ever wants to see again. It sure looks like it, you know. It looks that way, but hey, you know, uh, let's talk again here in the next uh, week or two and and catch up, do some more. NBA playoffs. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks for the call, Rex. Everybody can go get your uh, podcast where all podcasts are acquired with Mr. Josh Hopkins, the Rex Chapman Show, and charges with Rex Chapman. You're the best, man. Thanks. Thanks, Rich. Much love, buddy. Right back at you. That's Rex Chapman. The WTA say they'd love to have a conversation with Naomi Osaka here. That's a tough one. That's the tough one. Because, you know, you know, I'm a member of the medium, so we need athletes to talk to us. Yes, we do. We need um, athletes to tell us what they thought. We need to hear from an athlete after an event, not to make their lives worse, but to ask them questions. Sometimes they can be tough because there are losses and wins and things of that nature. But if somebody is maybe utilizing their platform for something other than what I just mentioned, and a player is saying you're you're messing with my mental health, you know, and and I I know you might be sitting there saying suck it up and no, I mean answer I, the question. No, or, I understand both sides. It's also part of the deal of being a professional athlete. You have to answer questions after games and before games. These people have jobs to do, just like you have a job. To well, do. I mean, because sometimes an, 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 a, a a statement after a loss could be a very inspiring thing for a sports fan to hear. Yeah, you know, and there are some incredible press conference moments. But if she's saying, you know, the questions that she said, we're we're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds, and I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. That's what she said. And we're not in her shoes? I don't know. I know that, but yeah, we're so. also, I mean, I guess we should get used to it. There's a new generation of athletes coming up, and they are just not going to subject themselves to what we feel is a conventional way of going about their business, I guess. And if she's a champion, we have to deal with it. You know what I mean? But in a way, it's doing disservice to her fans who want to know what happened, whether in a win or a loss. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. 
I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe that whole situation is kicking a person while they're down. I don't agree with that. I don't either. And I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament, and a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizations think that they can just keep saying, do press or you're going to be fine, and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that are the centerpiece of their cooperation, then I just got to laugh. I hope the, Anyways, I hope the considerable amount that I get fined for this will go towards a mental health charity, XOXO. Deuces next to a heart emoji. 21st century athlete. I think we're all going to have to get used to it. She's going to be the first of many. We'll take a break. Back with your phone calls at 844-204-RICH and more before Howie Mandel makes us laugh in hour three. What was it like shooting that scene, though, with Ray Kinsella and his father? I mean, how many, how, how long that, how did that, you that, that, Well, we had that? to do that. At, these, you notice that we did that at Magic Hour. You also noticed that when that shot pulled back and you saw all those cars, you know, now, but that would have been CG'd. But that was technically, uh, that was all extras that we called on the radio, come be in our movie, and they created that big traffic jam. No. Hold on a second. So that traffic jam, that's a real... That's a real shot. And the people from Iowa came, and so so many people feel like they're a part of that movie. So those thousands and thousands of cars that were in that giant traffic jam that went out on those two lanes, that was real. But in terms of playing it, in terms of, as you said, the, the quiet moment, yeah. how did you work that, Kevin? Well, I, you know, when it did, what I did was I went back to when I first read it. And so I become the audience when I read it. And I when I read it, I went... <gasps> I couldn't believe that it had orchestrated itself to that thing, and I had that feeling on the couch. And so I knew if I played that straight, if I didn't wink at anybody, mm-hmm. that these players did come. You know, that's my corn. <laughs> you know, Phil Robinson is the, is the architect of that movie. You know, um, I tell a story, you know, and I don't tell it well often, but, you know, they, they kept coming after me. I wasn't going to be able to do that movie. I was going to do Revenge, and I got into a... Finally, that revenge kept getting pushed, kept getting pushed, and finally I had to put my foot down and say, look, uh, if you don't get this movie together, I'm gonna go to do this movie in the corn. I asked the director, why did you hold out for me so long? Why? And he said, well, and this is one of the greatest actors we've ever seen. He goes, they wanted me to do it with Robin Williams. And I said, I said, Robin Williams is perfect. He said, yeah, but when I think of Robin, I think he does hear voices in the corn. And I don't want that. People don't believe you or your voices. And that was a really interesting, That was a. that's a director that makes a save. That's a Mariano Rivera, you know, sure. it's a save. He saved his movie because of his belief in an idea, you know, not the quality of actor, because Robin Williams will never, of course, this is this is a guy so special. But I, but I was curious, I said, he's actually a bigger star than me. You know, you know, whatever. And he goes, I need somebody that you don't think cares voices. And that would be you. I've never heard Robin Williams was considered for that role. That's unbelievable. And then you did it. And obviously we're, we're talking about it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had gold dust on it when I read it because I did that little intake of breath. <gasps> Do you want to have a catch? And of course I, I wept myself. Yeah, man, he's one of my favorite guests. Love him. Costner on our 
YouTube stream. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines here. Uh, Patrick in Baltimore, you're on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Patrick? Hey, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it again. How you been, brother? Doing very well. Uh, I'm living here in Baltimore, but I'm a lifelong New York football Giants fan. All right. And I appreciated your men in black theory, but uh, (laughs) me and my fellow Giants fans in Baltimore have a different theory, and that's, you know, Eli grew up way down south in Louisiana, and we are all convinced that as a result from a wild high school party, Jones's real name is actually Daniel Sand. Okay. And it may take a while, but if, and it's a big if, if Jones were ever to win a Super Bowl, Eli would come down kind of like, you know, Ramsey Bolt or, (laughs) I forgot forgot the dad's name, but he'll finally come down and be like, nope, the gig is up. I accept Daniel as my own. He is officially Daniel Manning. Okay. Pretty much. Bruce Bolton. Bruce Bolton. Is that who it is? Bruce Bruce Bolton. Bruce Bolton. Okay, yeah. Okay, so there's a good Game of Thrones reference. I'm still going to go with the men in black that he's an alien in the uh, in the uh, in the Eli Manning suit. That's where I'm going to go with that one. I'm zipped up. I mean, he sounds just like him. It's kind of crazy, you know. Yeah, kind of like he's his son. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, and thanks for the call, brother. Uh, Hoskins, can you can you load that sound up one more time? I mean, again, this is Daniel Jones asking about if he's feeling the pressure. It's year three, okay? It's year three. Year two of him just basically being the starter right from the get-go. But he was essentially the start of the year that he took over. I think there was like a week three where he showed up in Early Tampa. In and he Tampa. was terrific. He won the game. That, well, he won the game because there is a missed field goal. <laughs> he won the game. You know, <laughs> but um, it was teed up for Tampa to win it. But that was the crucible that Tampa needed to go through that led to eventually, you know, getting uh, Tom Brady. You know, last year, Cole, it all, it all worked out in the end for Tampa. But, you know, this is it. And this is why you want to get your quarterback on the field as soon as possible when you draft him in the first round because you want to build up. You want to have this guy get the reps so when you do have the ability to evaluate him as a long-term employee, when you do have to figure out rubber meeting the road prior to year four, post-year three, do we give him – uh, a fifth-year option that's very expensive and changes the dynamic of our salary cap, leading to the possibility of the ultimate salary cap changing second contract worth potentially more likely than not nine figures. Year three is the launching pad for Daniel Jones or winds up like Trubisky. Fact. That's why you want to get your guy out there so he does have the reps in that first year while Eli was still there. And he did go through the literal and figurative bumps and bruises in year two. And now year three, Saquon's back because you never know if your best player to help evaluate the guy is going to be healthy or not. Saquon's back. Kenny Galladay is in. The kid Tony from Florida is drafted. You got Shepard already there, Evan Ingram, let's go. Can be insanely dynamic. So the pressure's on, right? This was the answer of Daniel Jones. And you tell me, everybody, close your eyes, even if you're on Peacock watching. And tell me if it doesn't sound like the lilt, the cadence, 
the sort of shack sort of shambling of Eli Manning. You know, it's on all of us. It's on all 11 guys to, um, you know, do their job every player, to step out. And, you know, that's how we're going to make big plays is, is everyone doing their job. And it's not on any one person more than the other. It's, it's about everyone executing uh, together uh, as a unit. And, and, you know, that's how we're going to um, create explosive plays, um, you know, and be a productive offense. He's got like that monotone Shaq thing going. But it's just Eli's monotone. And again, I hope that pays off because Eli had that Jeter Rivera type makeup where, okay, New York, 24 7, 365. Yeah, nothing bothered. Mike and the Mad yeah. Dog, all of that. Like a water off a duck's back. Yep. And if that's the way Daniel Jones brings to, to his equation, then great. But at some point, you got to find Galladay like he's Mario Manningham. <laughs> You got to find Tony like he's Burris. Defense is kind of set up. So there's that. Howie Mandel, hour three. Zach Wilson has chimed in on the Jets front. Tim Tebow was mentioned in a press conference with Urban Meyer. All that and more as we get set for Memorial Day weekend right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So um, I mentioned this yesterday, Christopher. Yes. Mentioned this yesterday, I think. Was it off the air? Did I mention it on the air? I'll use Rich Eisen Show Real Estate to crow about my nephew. Oh, yeah. Off air. Oh, yeah. This is in – hold on. We got the video. I was on YouTube. All two and a half hours of the game. Wow. I don't know if it's nine innings or not. Let me get this right. Uh, My nephew, Sam Schuster, pinch hitting for uh, the Natick Red Hawks against Brookline. Now you're you're from the area, Chris. Natick versus Brookline. That's is that Hatfields and McCoys? Or what? Uh, it seems like you know? it could be. I mean, that, I'm you, a little further north, but you could fire verbal barbs above the Shawmets. <laughs> yeah. Above the Dunkin' Donuts. Brookline, I think, is where the crafts live. Okay, here we go. Roll tape. We'll see who they oh, send to the play. plate. They got another pinch hitter. This is number five, Sam Schuster. Pitch. He swings and connects this one. This one's being driven out deep to left. Kravitz is chasing it, chasing it. That ball is gone. A pinch hit home run by Sam Schuster. No big poppy Cadillac there. I know, right? He's sprinting. He's going all This game has it all. This game has it all, everybody. Five to four. Now the score following that solo shot to left by Schuster. Wow. See ya. I was on a line. Exit. Semi. Exit below on that. Yeah. Well done, Sam. Here's the question, Love Rich. Brother. Did Sam hear the pounding or did he get buzzed? How, I, mean, I don't know. know I've, how I've, yeah. yet, I've yet to speak to <laughs> Sam. Yeah. I've yet to speak to Sam to see if yeah. Natick has anything set up. I think it's all on the up and up. How okay. dare you? I'm just wondering. You calling so, my nephew a cheater? Not yeah. at all. Is there a video room? That's in natural. The, yeah. the one more time. Come on now. <laughs> they got a camera in the center he field. He took that out. He took that out. There it goes. <laughs> and there it goes. I love that. Did I hear it properly? It was Schuster over the head of Kravitz? Yeah. Very good. I love the, go- uh, By the way, you should take your time, Sam. Yeah, by the way. Look at him go. He's kicking up dust like a roadrunner. Sam, Sam's got to learn to enjoy that, enjoy man. That Soak in the run. moment. That's a hell of a Rod, stroke. Man. That's a nice stroke. Nice. I love the high school. Oh, there you go. Now he's got his teammates. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, I noticed he didn't say don't rip my jersey off, so we, we can eliminate yeah. the buzz. Yeah, I mean, we can, my nephew, <laughs> Sam, we can eliminate Altuve, that. And Altuve <laughs> did not do that, I've been told. Okay? Let Sam have his moment. Love you, Sam Schuster. Way to rake. You keep raking. You're the man, Sam. Don't listen to him. Go Natick. <laughs>